0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez, and joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It is the one and only Marvin King with Bowie Kettlebell Club out of Maryland. Marvin, what is going on? Happy Thursday. How are you feeling today?
2: Hey, man. I'm feeling good. Glad to be on the podcast. Glad to share some knowledge about what we're doing here at the Bowie Kettlebell. We're also called the Bowie Kettlebell Health and Wellness Center. Okay.
1: There we go. There we go. Well, look, Marvin, we are excited to have you on. And I think we're ready to dive into the nitty gritty here of what you have going on here with Bowie Kettlebell Club. But first, what we want to do here is give you the floor and go ahead and give the viewers a little perspective. Right. So in your own words here, Marvin, how would you describe Bowie Kettlebell Club and what you guys do?
2: Okay. Well, we're diverse. We're a very diverse uh, business or uh, our approach to fitness is un- unique. We have uh specially, we specialize in buoy in kettlebell training, which is very popular today. We also specialize in wellness training, which includes Qigong and different things for maintaining your wellness for a lifetime. And we, um, and we, uh, do a, we do appointments on a basis, uh, appointment only uh, type business. So uh, yeah, we cover those biggest parts of the business. We also do freeway training, different things like that, but we focus on the uh, kettlebell as the number one tool to uh, get you fit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I appreciate the explanation there, Marvin. And so I think we're ready to dive right into the bare bones basics here. I mean, Marvin, how many members
2: are you serving currently? Uh, we're working about regular twenty to thirty folks on okay. a regular basis. Okay, and uh, those folks went right to the online format, which is our most popular format right now. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. And so, for you, Marvin, what's been the best method to get people interested or through the door?
2: Well, we I uh, like organic process. Okay, I think organic. Uh, word of mouth works best for what we do because uh, if you just think of traditional kettlebell training folks can say they can go to CrossFit and get that kind of thing or they can you know they can get a YouTube video and learn kettlebell training but my unique approach of what we teach you know we, we also work with yoga studios and I have yoga students who appreciate the use of the kettlebell which is kind of odd you know most yoga students don't like the weight but we have a yoga program with kettlebells and uh, the martial arts program along with the qigong and wellness is also very popular and that is mostly given through word of mouth because i don't teach martial arts in a traditional sense more of a protection program incorporated within the process of the whole training process or the whole training program
1: yeah i love that i think that's so Mm -hmm. important i think that's so important i think I mean, there's so many methods that you can go down, right? But it's always about what works best for you, right? And you, At least you right. know what is your, I guess, your your catalyst, right? The, the pinnacle of what brings your clients through the door. Oh, and yeah. So, Word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say this too here, Marvin. I mean, hypothetically speaking, of course, let's say leads, traffic, clients, all these things were unlimited. I mean, how much higher could you expect to go from where you're at now in terms of members?
2: Well, uh, recently, I just launched a new book, okay? And- uh, the book right here is called "The Art of Being Well." Just launched it last month, nice, and nice. And I'm working on book number two, and that has created some uh, traffic in the business as well. Uh, I want to do some corporate business with some of the corporate clients. I have a couple uh, high, uh, high um, uh, pre- uh, corporate people who really want to get into the wellness program. I have some interest in that area. So it's, it's unlimited as far as where I can go. I eventually want to stay mostly on the online format. I think that is the safest it works well for me it keeps me in touch with folks across the country that have moved to different places. But uh, the end, the, the, the personal stuff is still really important. So that is what we're doing. Now, that's why I opened up a location where we can actually bring folks there and train. So that's been there since this year. Um, and I'm not sharing spaces right now with other folks. I have my actually my own space there. So that is drawing attention as well. So it's unlimited.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that is true. I think you can do so much with the online space, right? It's about knowing where you want to grow and which trajectory you want to go in. Oh, yeah. And so I'm going to ask a little bit of a longer-winded question here, Marvin, but a good question in itself, right? So bear with me on this. If you need to repeat anything, by all means, just let me know. But um, in the fitness and gym industry is about three pillars of business to use pretty predominantly, right? It's going to be one, your lead generation, right? Two, your acquisition, right? Which is your sales. And then three, your retention and ascension, which is getting your clients to stay with you longer, but get them to buy more from you in that process. So of those three, Marvin, where do you feel like you could improve the most?
2: Oh, I would say the... Um... What was the first one you said? The first one was
1: uh, Lead generation, I'm sorry, which is marketing, right Getting yeah. people through the door.
2: Lead generation is the best is the one I can definitely improve on in, in that good, you know um, in fact, I am working with some folks and getting information on how they have actually achieved greater success and I'm trying to mimic some of their tools that they use for marketing. And you know, that' that seems to be the biggest part of it. once they're in the room and into the door, I think the, the program sells itself. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I can agree to that. Right. I think mm-hmm. for for even my experience, right? I think it, it's really about getting people through the door. And if you can they can see the value you're providing, right? And and yeah, you're as genuine as you are, Marvin. I think they're gonna be like, Wow, well, they feel that, right? They walk through the door, they don't feel like a number, they feel like a person. And I yeah. think that's the, that's the best thing that you can do. And so if we can all get more people through the door, I think that's really what comes down to it. And I appreciate the honesty and transparency there too, Marvin. You know, I think yeah. that that's, it's a, it's a tough question, but the fact that you can be honest with us, I think it's a uh, a perspective shift for the viewers and, and for everyone listening. So thank you for that. But um, last two questions for you here, Marvin, my two favorite questions, you know, what's the bigger picture for you? What are you trying to accomplish long-term?
2: Oh my goodness. Uh, I, uh, well, we touched on a few of the subjects here, what we're doing, but uh, I actually have a, a new interest that has been a big, That is a big passion of mine, okay? And uh, that is in the health and wellness industry. As you realize, the Bowie Kettlebell Club made a transformation during COVID where we actually transferred to the Bowie Kettlebell Health and Wellness Center, okay? And that became part of uh, that that area of um, uh, need came noticeable during COVID as the clients, I realized, were looking for a different type of exercise program. It wasn't so much about hardcore, but what they need to do in home to keep themselves healthy, okay? And it wasn't so hard, just had to drill down on certain skill sets. So uh, I've had a lot of uh, uh, caregiving uh, responsibilities that I had to deal with, and I know a lot of folks out there have the same issues. So my next book is focusing on that community and the community of caregivers who are basically the warriors out there who are providing the greatest they can to folks they love, and their their own bodies are declining because they don't have the amount of intention to put on themselves. They're giving it away. And they suffer after the person, they suffer as much as the person with the illness. So long-term, or where we're we're heading, is uh, that area where I've got that most, that's the most attention that came back from the book. A lot of readers who read the book seemed that that was the largest capacity of people who were basically screaming about it. Okay. Really liked it. So I realized there was something more here. Now the book basically touches on that. The first one is, but the second one is going to drill down on that a little more. And my program is tailored toward those group of individuals already, but I'm going to start marketing more towards those type of individuals. Gotcha. And, uh, and the community is much um, is in need for that.
1: That's big. I think that's major. I think it's a unique industry and I think it's something that's really not untapped. And I think that's something that you could take initiative on. I think that's awesome, Marvin. I think that's awesome. And I got one last question for you, man. I'm curious to see your answer here. You know, Marvin, (laughs) uh, if you can go back in time here to when you first started your gym, sit yourself down with the knowledge you have now and give yourself that one piece of advice you think you really need to hear when you first started. What would that advice be for you?
2: Now, that's a really good question. Okay, and uh, you're, you're obviously really good at putting these questions out there because what would be, <laughs> what would be a thing that I would wanna change? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I would get better with understanding my program as, I, as, I, uh, as I'm developing. And the particular thing I do, I have such a wide diverse, I'm a martial arts hall of famer. I've been doing oh, martial yeah. arts for 50 years. And martial arts would be the direction you would think I would be teaching uh, because that was a big part of my trade. I loved kettlebells. I got certified in the kettlebell certification through the RKC. And I also was a fitness trainer. I'm also a Tai Chi Kwan coach. And I have a large, diverse uh, background, project management professional. And I have that kind of ability going into the corporate understanding of people and projects. So what do I do with all these skill sets? Right. What do I do with them? And trying to put them into a program was my biggest challenge. And that's where the book helped me come through with the four pillars. You mentioned pillars. I had to come up with four pillars in my book. And that became uh, just understanding where I was gonna focus these skill sets. Uh, identifying them earlier would have helped a lot better, I think, uh, starting out, but it's a process. It's a process.
1: Marvin, that was a mic drop of an answer. Way to close it out here. (laughs) It's a good place to wrap things up in this episode. But before we sign out, Marvin, please shout out your Instagram, Facebook website, anything you may have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym?
2: Okay, man. Yeah, I'm in Bowie, Maryland, uh, 20 miles east of Washington, D.C. I have a a gym in Bowie, Maryland. Uh, My website is www.bowiekettlebellclub.com. You just look up Marvin King. You Google Marvin King RKC, which is my certification and a kettlebell certification, and it'll pop me all up there. Uh, My martial arts hall of famer, uh, you'll see a lot of martial arts backgrounds there. And folks think that he's a martial artist, but that's true. But there's a lot more here. So yeah, look me up there, Uh, Facebook, uh, Bowie Kettlebell on Facebook and on Instagram.
1: There we go. There we go. Marvin, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. and I look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. If you don't mind sticking around for two more seconds, I'll let you know how you can get the podcast. I'd appreciate it. Just going to send everybody else out of here. Okay. Okay, brother. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. And to everybody else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in, join us and talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time,
0: you see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
3: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on this show is JD from Muscle & Flow out of Milton, Mass. Welcome to the show. How are you today?
4: I'm doing well, Brooke. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
3: I'm excited to have you here and to learn more about your fitness business. Before we really dive in too deep to that, give us a little bit of background. Tell us, you know, what it was that made you decide to open up this fitness business.
4: Sure. Um, so my background is, is that I've uh, been lifting weight and participate in athletic performance uh, since I was 13 years old. So I was a college football player, tried out for the NFL. Uh, just realized that I, there was there was greener pastures in front of me. So I'm actually an entrepreneur. Uh, I own several other businesses not associated with the gym, but I've still been really active in the fitness community. So in November of 2021, I had the opportunity to take over uh, a, an existing gym facility uh, and buy them out of bankruptcy. So. Um, that's how muscle and flow came to be. Um, I'm a real estate proprietor, so I did own the building and they were my tenant. And I was looking at having them close their doors or stepping in and buying their equipment off them. So I decided to step in and again, I'm, I'm not new to the space. So I felt like I was the right guy for the job and having a business background. Uh, it was very easy for me to be an outsider and kind of look at the business and see what was being done wrong. So I looked at it, you know, as a massive opportunity to step into health when it really was the most important thing going on in our world.
3: Yeah, very, very smart decision to come into this industry. And the exciting thing is that the industry is like constantly growing. Um, And so it is it was a good time to come in. Um, Give us kind of your elevator pitch of muscle and Flow, who you are, what services you have to provide, really paint that picture for us so we understand the business model here.
4: Sure. So uh, Muscle & Flow is a uh, comprehensive health facility. So we're not just a gym. We're actually a, a variety of fitness concepts under one roof. So you can come to our facility and, and and engage in multiple different experiential fitness concepts that you'd normally have to go to multiple facilities for. So we have multiple floors to the facility, which allows us to have different concepts on each floor. So we have a fight club where we do kids classes in both Muay Thai and boxing. And then we have adult classes as well. So we have a really good uh, boxing and Muay Thai gym. And then we also have uh, a traditional gym experience on the second floor, which is great because that serves a majority of our community. And then those people can leverage the other floors. And then the top floor is our studio. So we have uh, Pilates, yoga, bar classes. And then we also have kids classes like mom and me yoga and mom and me Pilates. So um, it's a comprehensive health facility in the sense that You can come to our facility and you don't have to just lift weights. You can accomplish every other thing. And then we also um, started servicing uh, uh, mentorship mindset uh, and business coaching as well. So we're really focused on people's overall health, not just your physical health.
3: I love that so much realistically here, so much to offer and anybody can walk into your facility and find something that will feel like a good fit for them. I know this gym industry, it's intimidating for a lot of people to walk in. But when you have such a wide variety of offerings, it's a little bit easier for people to find their place. Um, Within the model, do you guys offer personal training at all?
4: Uh, We do offer. So the gym um, has four full-time personal trainers and we do push personal training heavily. Um, We believe that it's a fundamental piece uh, to getting on track to a healthy and active fitness lifestyle is oftentimes you need a coach, you need a partner, you need an accountability partner. So we do offer personal training. It's about 40% of our business currently. um, And everyone that comes in the door, we do encourage that they they at least do an introductory session.
3: Awesome. Um, What percent of your revenue would you guys say that is coming from the personal training side of things?
4: So when I, again, I took over an existing business and it was Mm -hmm. a, a decimal of the business. One of the first things we looked at um, from a business standpoint, was increasing the average member value because there was an existing membership base. Um, so we took that from uh, 220 members when it took it over in November of 2011. We're now up to about f- uh, four, 470 members. So we're just trending towards 500. Um, it's about currently personal training is about 40% of our revenue on a month to month basis.
3: That's pretty impressive. Um, And in this model, like where we have a lot to offer, it's good that, you know, we make personal training something that is in the forefront for the business and for our clients for the business. We're going to bring in a higher amount of revenue per person for personal training. Um, And so that's good for the business, of course. And then for our clients, it's good for them because it's going to give them, you know, more direct approach to help them reach their goals. Maybe they're new to the health and fitness industry. They need to learn um, how to use the equipment, or maybe they have a specific goal looking to lose five ten pounds with personal training, we're able to help them really get there a lot quicker. Um, and so it's good for our clients. I'm happy to hear that it is a huge part of what you guys do. Um, when you get a new lead come in, how would you kind of sell them into a personal training program?
4: So, we've um, I again coming from an outside business perspective and looking at the gym different than a traditional owner operator model. One of the first things I always thought was um, was often my prior experiences joining gyms was that um, oftentimes the person's at the front desk is doing the sales. So you have someone who's not trained in sales, uh, pretty much handling the lifeblood of uh, of your business. So um, we hired an in-house um, uh, customer success manager who does only all they do is tours and sales and follow ups and focus on retention. So anybody that inquires or is interested in the gym is immediately met by somebody who not only understands all the different offerings at the gym, but has the time and the ability to really sit down with them and talk through what they're trying to accomplish. And in that process, um, we kind of unveil what their, what their constraints are, what the issue with prior gyms are. And we try to provide solutions to that. So we're a value forward gym. So we don't Um, we don't try to lock people into really lengthy contracts or push any sort of product on them that we don't think would be a good fit. We're actually the opposite where if someone's unhappy, we'll make it right right away and we don't make it difficult to cancel. We we firmly believe that uh, we have the best staff and the best experience in the area and we're willing to stand behind that. So um, the in-house sales process is really kind of a vetting process where we try to uncover what's really going on and what the constraints are to prevent them from being consistent in the gym and then offer solutions to that.
3: Yeah, that's key. Offering solutions to whatever challenges that our potential client is facing, right? Um, And I think a lot of people in this industry look at sales the wrong way. Um, We should be looking at it the way that you are, where we're like trying to sell our potential client into something that's going to help them reach their goals. Um, Rather than just selling them to, hey, this is our gym. These are the services that we provide. It's really awesome Um, because, you know, we need to give them a more direct approach um help them find something that's going to make them successful because what works for me might not work for you and vice versa um so next question that i have for you here you mentioned you guys have 470 members is that a position where you're feeling pretty good pretty comfortable or are you looking to hit the gas grow welcome new faces into the facility
4: yeah, no, we're, we're looking to put lighter fluid on this thing. So that's, that's 470 members, um, in less than a year's time. So we have more than doubled the membership from when we took over, um, in less than a year's time. And, and that's with very minimal, um, outside advertising. So, um, we do do digital ads. We do drive traffic that way, but, um, we haven't spent a ton of advertising dollars. So again, we really wanted to build our core community and really figure out what the people in the area wanted. So we were taking some time to really focus on the people that were already at the gym Mm -hmm. and how to get more services offered to them and get their value up and their average membership value up before we brought in outside parties. But now that we've established that that's really where we're at in our growth model is, you know, what's the next phase. And that's the introduction of um, nutrition and supplements. And then also, again, like I said, we just launched a um, mindset and business coaching as well. So not just focusing on personal training for the physical, but essentially personal training for the mental too.
3: Yeah. So what does kind of the the business coaching and the mindset coaching look like? What How, how do you guys offer that service within the facility?
4: So it's almost identical to personal training in the way we structure the packages. So we have a uh, uh, twice a week Uh, Four week commitment or uh, three times a week, four week commitment, and then we also offer a twice a week, twelve week commitment or a three time a week, uh, uh, excuse me, three time a week, uh, three month commitment. So, uh, same pricing, uh, which is a steal because uh, most business coaching is pretty expensive, and we're actually offering at our gym at the same price as the personal training, which is about 120 bucks um, an hour. And um, you know, I have I have some great staff behind me, so myself. Uh, I'm participating in some of the coaching. And then I have a former uh, NFL sports science. uh, He's a good friend of mine from college. He's doing some of the coaching. And then I have a Green Beret uh, and former former, um, uh, state police uh, uh, officer as well. Someone who's really disciplined, helping kind of get people to get over those mental humps, because that's one of the things that we saw pretty quickly was that personal trainers were great at getting people consistent and changing their diet, but they still struggled mentally to really get over that hurdle to wake up every day and, and and take some time for themselves and express gratitude and clear your mind before bed and the things that really impact the next day. So we really want to help people kind of turn that corner to change their life.
3: Yeah. The state management piece is huge and it's something that not a lot of people really focus on. Um, I know for me, like until I started connecting with people, like other business minded people, I wasn't practicing a lot of those practices. And now I haven't drastically improved my life. So it's cool that you guys are able to really work with people and, and, and help change their lives in that way. Um, okay. So since you mentioned you guys are kind of built things out and you wanted to get things going the way that you saw the business going, um, before you really, uh, I think you said put lighter fluid on it. Yeah. Um, now that you are in a position where you do want to put that lighter fluid in and hit the gas, um, what, like, what's that going to look like for you guys? How are you guys going to get new faces in the door?
4: Yeah. So, um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, expand our, our, our presence in, in both the digital ad space. And then, uh, we're going to engage more in some local stuff. Um, actual participation of physical bodies there, being present and kind of getting people to be familiar with our location. I think the biggest piece of feedback we've heard when people do come in and sign up is that they didn't even know we were there. So it's really important that we get that out there. Um, I'm a firm believer in uh, digital ads uh, being effective. I've used that strategy on a few of the other businesses that I've had, and I've been able to successfully kind of grow my business with that lead source. So um, we're going to spend a fair amount of money and time perfecting that process so that we're generating the adequate amount of traffic to hit our growth goals, make sure that we're adequately capturing and converting those leads. Um, and then using that, uh, developing a system and a process with that in mind. So when we open future locations, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can kind of take what we've learned on the messaging uh, response times on, uh, on, on converting uh, and use that for future locations.
3: Yeah. Just kind of being able to replicate it. Um, And so, you know, you touched on digital um, advertising there. And I think that's a really good talking point because there are so many fitness business people out there in the industry that are really nervous to step into that space because obviously it costs money. Um, So talk to us about how beneficial that has been for you so far and how you see that impacting your business moving forward.
4: Yeah so you know digital ads i i feel like get a bad rap because oftentimes if they're not done well they are a waste of money um they're a, they're a, generally speaking in my experience they're a high volume relatively low quality lead in the grand scheme of things but they certainly um they certainly can help with visibility so i think one of the things that people struggle with when they spend money on digital ads is that you often want to rely on just the data alone to suggest whether it's worth your time. So you might say, you know, we only had X amount of conversions, but what often happens with digital ads, and I'm sure your your consumer behavior is the same as mine, is that when I see something on Instagram or something comes across my plate, I'm often smart enough to know that I don't want to click that because then I'm going to get trailed with more ads. So I often then just go and Google what I was looking at and check the credibility that way. So I think a lot of people might not engage in your physical digital ad to come in that way, but then they'll come in through your website or they'll find another pathway to get to you because they want to ensure that it's not just, you know, some fake company that they're then going to get uh, multiple level marketed again. So um, I think digital ads provide a lot of visibility, but um, I think that it's, it's the demographic that we're trying to get in front of is really that. Um, that uh, busy mom. It's the the dad who's trying to find time to get in the gym. It's the kid who's home from college. It's the bodybuilder. It's our avatar is on um, is on their computer and on their phone often. So it's important to us that we're, we're you, you know, I, I, I feel like getting in print ads, for example, our avatar isn't heavily engaged in print. They're really in digital space. So yeah. bang for buck, I think it's one of the best spaces to consistently be top of the mind in front of that demographic. Um, and we think it's an effective way to do it. So we do basic AB testing early on to see what works. Um, what we've personally found is, is that, um, less imagery and just more specific kind of emotional messaging gets the best response for us, which is kind of counterintuitive. I think people often think that you need to see like a mom that looks like you do, uh, on the ad, but what we found is actually the opposite that it's really about, um, Pulling an emotional heartstring in the call to action and in the messaging, um, which could be, you know, your wedding day is coming up. It could be, um, you know, like the now is the time to commit. Just something that makes them feel uh, feel like they need to take action. And um, we've we've tested it multiple times and found oftentimes that the black background with that same messaging does better than with an image that supports it. So, um, you know, we're do A/B testing run the ad for usually a month to a quarter and kind of see what we get for results. And then we just keep pivoting and getting better with our conversion process.
3: Yeah. That call to action piece is huge. And I think like, I liked your approach there where you said, you know, your wedding is coming up or examples like that. There are things that are going to make people like have that thought, Oh shoot. You know, I do have this event coming up and I do need to lose a little bit of weight or I want to gain a little bit of muscle and look a little better before then, or feel a little bit, feel a little bit better. Um, and that can be what helps them click on the the ad or Google or whatever. A lot of times, like I I've seen in my experience too, like putting pictures of, of my members, it's not super effective. I get more success with stuff that really like kind of picks at that pain point that people have. Um, to be you know a big success for me as well um but kind of to turn on this part of the conversation because i don't want to run out of time today um business-wise what has been your biggest bottleneck your biggest challenge and what are you guys doing to kind of work on overcoming that
4: we've been finding that the um the group classes um have been very difficult to have consistency in so We've been getting tremendous traffic early on, and then we've been seeing people stick with it. Um, We haven't had the same problem in the gym itself or in the personal training. It's really just the larger group classes. And um, I don't, again, coming into the space of November of 2021, I don't know if that's a pandemic-specific thing where people are just looking for shorter duration commitments and larger group settings, or if that's just a trend in fitness. Um, But we've been... um, it's been harder to retain and and fill those group classes than I expected, which uh, I was, if you'd asked me before I started, if that would be easy, I would say, yes, I think so. I think we're offering exceptional value. It's a great location. It's a beautiful facility. We have the best talent training the class. Um, And uh, just, you know, my expectations were a little bit different than reality. So I would say that's been the hardest part is really growing the experiential fitness concepts uh, with consistency. So we build a community And then we have to stack members on top of that, but there's attrition. So as, as the first 10 come, they start to trail off and then the next 10 come. So you're kind of on this hamster wheel. Um, so I think that's a space that we're really working hard to figure out how we can grow that.
3: Yeah. What are like, what are some of the things that you are trying to work on building that stability in that program or those programs? Yeah. So,
4: um, I think the model of the gym providing all the traffic and then a trainer or uh, an instructor just teaching a class has been broken for a while. And I think it becomes a very cost-intensive, laborious process for the gym. And I think it's doing the trainer a disservice. What we're trying to shift to is more um, trainer-forward experiences so that instead of you know it being a yoga class at Muscle and Flow, it'll be Alex's yoga class and Alex's brand at the forefront so that people engage in Alex and they become on a first name basis and they build a community and they refer friends. So we're trying to shift to more of a community focused approach as opposed to a, um, just the gym is offering these classes and we're filling them ourselves by spending money on ads and converting existing gym members and really let the trainer build their community organically um, and offer a referral base because we think that that's easier to retain. And we think it's a um, it's a better recipe for success in the long term.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I would I would agree. It's everything that you said there don't have uh, anything <laughs> within that to kind of challenge you towards I think that you have the right mindset behind it. Um, Now, in terms of, you know, working with the trainers to help them kind of market this, um, are you guys as a company going to market the classes and kind of use the trainer as the spokesperson for that specific modality?
4: Yeah, so we're going to provide um, the initial support to get it off the ground. But again, what we've learned is, is that At some point we kind of, you know, you can teach someone how to, how to, uh, to fish, but then they need to actually go and fish thereafter. So we can show them what we're doing to kind of get it off the ground, but we then need them to physically go hunt and go build their brand and build their following. Um, so that's really what we're doing is we're saying, okay, if we're going to launch this, how do we get it off the ground? How do we get the initial people in the room? How do we get enough people there as to where there's good energy and it's stackable, Um, And then from there, we're really trying to encourage the trainers to leverage content um, to, you know, again, get I say get on a first name basis, because I think the consumer when they come into a room and feel like they're part of a community, they're excited to go to class as opposed to the anxious person who steps into a room feels like they're behind everyone else and doesn't know what they're doing. So, and then it's it's say, hey, you know, things have been great like if you guys have any friends or family. That you think would you know would serve well by this community, like please feel free to bring them to a class and let them see what we're doing here. And then again, you remember their name, and then they say, "Wow, I never thought about doing this, but this is great." Um, yeah. So we're helping them get off the ground, but we're really expecting them to run with it thereafter.
3: Yeah, kind of teach them how to hunt, and then once you've taught them, you know, this is what you have to do. These are the systems that you need to to make it happen um having them go fish on their own um and I think just continuing to provide that um, that support that opportunity there for them to grow um and be their own boss is huge exactly. um, yeah an are-
4: entrepreneurial model exactly yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. and I think that that will be great for you because people like being their own boss. they like creating opportunities for themselves. So it is a really neat model. Um, Next question that I have in mind that I like to ask because, you know, I have that Disney magic being that I worked there for uh, for a few years. Um, You know, if you could have a magic wand and all your dreams, all your goals for muscle and flow came true, what would that picture look like for you?
4: So the overall goal is really to focus on comprehensive health. Uh, Just like yourself, like you had mentioned earlier, I had a uh, kind of life altering um cellular change, uh, in my late twenties, that kind of changed who I was as a person. A lot of that came from, I was always, I was always very well embedded in the physical space. Like you never had to convince me to go to the gym. I always got up even after football. I still, I always got up and felt bad when I didn't go. So I always had that like built in muscle to re- force myself to constantly think about it and go, um, the mental space was relatively new to me. And when I connected the two, when I started to dominate the physical and the mental, my whole life changed. I just felt like I had more energy. I was a happier person. I was always in a state of gratitude. I was always showing more love and affection. Um, so I want I want to serve others. And I really want to take what I've learned in the business community and, and kind of in my own self and personal development and have a business that... Um, it reflects that, right? So everybody in the facility, not just myself, but the customer success manager, the person at the front desk, the personal trainers, everyone's got high energy and has good vibes and just like is excited about life and take that and and create a facility where we have a community of people that have just changed their lives and and wanna be around others that also have that. So similar to your point, in the business community, I see that a lot where you have other entrepreneurs that are doing really well and they 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 lean on other entrepreneurs to collaborate. I want to take that and bring it to the gym community. So not just a bunch of people that are physically fit sharing, but a lot of people that have, um, you know, have are comprehensively well-rounded in the health space. So... Um, if I had a magic wand, I would say, I'd like to get there on tomorrow, but I know it's going to take time. And it, it's, it's definitely hard to get some people that think that they don't need mental coaching or don't need coaching in general, whether it's physical or mental to wrap their heads around it. So, but it'll come with time. I'm very confident in that.
3: Yeah. So what do you feel like you're doing right now to make that something that is realistic for you, your business sooner rather than later?
4: So I'm, uh, I've been coaching um, other entrepreneurs and uh, friends uh, for a while, uh, for no money, just doing it as a service to others, because I truly care. And, you know, I, again, it's, it's changed my life. So I, I want everyone else to experience um, kind of what's out there and what the potential is. So mm-hmm. I've, I've extended that offering to all of the um, all of the staff at, at uh, muscle and flow. Mm-hmm. So again, getting them to not just not just say that they're well rounded, but actually be well rounded. So um, and then I, my, you know, my theory is, is that if I can engage in, in the startup of the mental coaching myself, so again, I'm kind of removed from the business side of things, I set up the infrastructure, and then I let it run itself and just really focus on macro level growth concepts, I'm going to get knee deep in the mental side of the, the coaching business coaching, um, because I think I can add a lot of value. And I've, I've done it all myself and proven that it's a model that can lead to success. And I have a formula. Um, so I'm offering it to the staff and then I'm also going to offer it to the first uh, 20 customers that sign up for the service so that, um, you know, I can help people uh, get off the ground. And then I think it's going to, I think it'll just be tons of referrals. I genuinely believe in the space more than anything right now. I think it's um, it's been exploding. I'm sure you see it as far as uh, like Instagram mentors, people that you've never met before, but you consider them a mentor just because you follow them and and they inspire you. Um, we need more of that on the community level. So I think we're at the, Um, end of the beginning of that. And I'm I'm excited to be at the forefront of it.
3: Yeah, I think it's so unique. Like this is a route that I haven't really heard somebody look to take on the podcast platform, but there is definitely a need for it. And even in that community level, like, um, you know, there's tons of people in your community that are running their own businesses or are looking to maybe make that change and become their own boss. And so if you can provide them with the mentorship that they need to actually be successful, that's huge. Um, and so with muscle and itself, do you, are you going to settle with just one location? Do you guys want multiple? What do you foresee the future looking like there?
4: No, we're trying to kick the doors down. So we're trying to open um, a series of locations in the next three to five years. So um, you know, we're we'll looking to open um, three to five locations or roughly one per year. Um, again, we were, I expected the systems and processes to come into place a little bit quicker, but we did have a couple of hiccups there with, with waves of COVID and we just saw consumer activity uh, early this year kind of change. So we feel that we have a clear runway right now. So, um, you know, we're looking to open at least one facility per year, uh, starting in
3: 2023. So. It's huge. Um, yeah. So, to make that happen, where, what do you focus on, like right now, um, to make multiple locations a reality? Because I think that this is a goal that tons of people, um, I hear, tons of people want multiple locations. So, what are you focusing on um, in the forefront to make that a reality?
4: Yeah. So, um, my background is is that I'm a real estate developer and a, uh, I own a construction company. I'm a proprietor. So. I'm always looking for real estate deals. So I own the building that muscle and flow is. And now the gym was my tenant prior to me taking it over and buying out the business. Um, so I've been actively looking for the next site. So my model is I want to own the building, do the build out myself with my own construction company, and then fill it with my own concept. So um, I'm always actively looking at deals, but I've been aggressively looking for the next location uh, to buy the building. So Um, as soon as that happens, we're opening second location. So, and if I have to force that, I'll force that. But uh, generally speaking, the, the universe delivers it to us when we need it.
3: Awesome. It's neat that you have the business background and you know you're in the fitness space building it out because usually it's kind of the opposite. Like we hear people with no business background going to open a gym. And so um, it is helpful that you have the, the background in the business side of things. What is something that you wish somebody told you when you first got started in the industry of, you know, owning gym?
4: Um, what is something I wish? Um I wish that um, I wish that people would have. When I when I got into the business, I heard a lot of horror stories, mm-hmm. and it gave me a little bit of intimidation stepping into the space. Again, being a proprietor in other spaces, um, right. and I actually one thing that I I discovered organically that um, it's been a ton of fun. Um, I really have like it's it's reinvigorated my love for health and fitness. Um, it's gotten me back into really prioritizing my health and fitness after football. And um, I've, you know, I've seen so many of our gym members lose 10, 15 to, I I spoke to a guy the other day who said he lost 25 pounds. he had been a gym member at the gym before us had never really lost any weight had been there for about 10 years. And then within less than a year of being at our gym, he's lost 20 pounds because he enjoys going and the energy is more competitive. And it's just got the, the uh, he's doing personal training, stuff that he had never been sold on before and never really thought was something of interest. Um, So I, I wish I wish there was more positive narrative around gym ownership. I feel like it's often a bearish and kind of, it's a tough industry without question. But I think the problem is, is that they're predominantly dominated by owner operators. And if that's your main source of income and you're there all the time, um, it can be a very difficult business, but it's also a very scalable business. And it's also very something that um, you can't put a value on how good it feels to help people change their life and change your own. So I wish, I wish people focus more on that.
3: Yeah, it is a very scalable business and some people are motivated by that factor and, you know, being super successful and making a ton of money and other people are motivated by helping a ton of people. But if we're so caught up in the day to day of the business and coaching all the classes and doing all the consultations and doing all the back end work and cleaning the toilets, like we're never going to have time to focus on um, the scalable side of the business and growing the business. So super important to make sure you make time for that um, in the very beginning. If yes. you want to uh, if you want to kind of get somewhere with it. Um, and so last question what is the Instagram or the Facebook? Where can our listeners go to follow muscle and flow online?
4: Yes, we're we're at muscle and flow Milton on Instagram. And uh, on Facebook we're the same thing with Muscle and Flow Milton. Again, future locations, it's going to be at Muscle & Flow in whatever the city it's in. So keep a lookout for that second location.
3: I'm excited to see it happen. Thank you, JD, for being here today. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, please hit like and subscribe. If you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description. We will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
3: Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
5: What's up, GYMLORDS? Welcome back to another episode of the GYMLORDS podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Will from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Swindon in Swindon, United Kingdom. What's up, Will? How are you today?
6: Yeah, really good. Thank you. And yeah, awesome to be on your podcast.
5: Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? What's the backstory there?
6: So I've been training jujitsu for probably about nearly 16 years now. And I'm I, I love it it's, it's it's the best sport in the world in my opinion you know it, it, it's, it's absolutely brilliant so yeah I was training it for quite a while but um, I ended up joining the army I did five years in the army which was great but I got I got an opportunity to, to leave and run a gym and so when you leave the army and not for a year all right so you give your notice and you have to work for a year and about halfway through that year the opportunity which I'd signed off to go and do collapsed like the gym it was basically I was going to go out and teach in Barcelona it would have been awesome but it collapsed the gym went under so I was kind of in this transition period where I was no longer going to be in the army but I thought like if someone else had the faith in me to do it I I could probably do it myself so I had six months of working really hard trying to find venues and going for all that side of things but yeah I managed to put a lot of time and effort into it and got it all sorted and I yeah I opened up 10th Jiu Jitsu Swindon it was it'd be five years in February now but um, awesome. I didn't dream to do it when I was training started training Jiu Jitsu but it, it is amazing and it's great to be your own boss as well you know, yes. I, I truly love that
5: absolutely yeah it's funny because a lot of gym owners that I speak with owning a gym was never actually in the plans, right? Or, or what you think you're going to do with your life. It just kind of comes about and happens organically in a lot of cases. So, um, but yeah, I mean, being your own boss is fantastic, right? A lot of people love that or would love that. So tell us about the business model within the facility itself. Are you doing group classes? Do you do semi-private sessions? Do you do one-on-one sessions? How does it all work?
6: So we have 13 group classes a week where a- anybody can come along. We have a 6 a.m. class Monday to Wednesday, 12.30 to one thirty every weekday, and 6 or 7 every evening. But I also offer private sessions one-to-one outside of that. But I do tend to only do about two to three private sessions a week, tops, because just time in general, you know. Right. But, um, yeah, so it's mainly group classes.
5: Okay. And how many members are you currently serving?
6: So we have 48. Which which is good. We had fifty two before COVID, so we're gradually getting back to where we were before. But um, yeah, okay. ideally I'd want to get up to that fifty mark again. But it's it's, it's tough, you know, because obviously we had COVID. A lot of people dropped out because we were forced to, and now we're going into a kind of cost of living crisis. I don't know what it's like in America, but things are getting tough. So yeah, again, when people have a choice between going to the gym, training jujitsu or putting the heating on, you know, it, it, it does become challenging, but we're, we're getting back up there.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so do you offer your only jujitsu, correct? Only jujitsu. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, so now do people come in and use this as their only source of fitness in a lot of cases or is this something that kind of supplements how does that typically work within your membership so
6: we we do have people that come in here and use it just as fitness mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't necessarily recommend that I, I was a physical training instructor in the army so I ran fitness when I was in the army that's part of my job and I think jiu-jitsu is great like I say and you can get fitness out of it but I would use it like I teach jujitsu jitsu to do jiu-jitsu I think you are in an ideal world, you'd be doing a couple of jiu-jitsu classes a week, strength and condition on top of that, and a bit of cardio. So mm-hmm. there are people that do do that, but they're normally the if I put them in that category of more hobbyists, like we've got serious students that train like eight nine times a week, but they're also doing strength and condition on top of that because it's it's just it's just good you know you, right. no, no one means that I'm too strong you know it's, it's 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 better for your joints, it's better for you so yes, there are people that do that, but I wouldn't recommend it as a strictly fitness model if that makes sense
5: right yeah absolutely and do you keep the other training styles under your roof as well or is that something people typically go somewhere else for and then also come to your facility
6: so I've, I've got like a couple of kettlebells slam balls and stuff, stuff like that at the gym and after the morning classes I kind of do a workout myself and invite other people to do it mm-hmm. but it's nothing official it's not like there's no official fitness
5: classes Got it. Okay. And is that a direction you've ever considered heading in? And the reason that I ask is a lot of times within a specific niche market, uh, particularly within martial arts, a lot of times there will be a component of the business that is geared more toward the general public fitness side of things to provide a really solid foundation for the business and then there's also the side that's more of a niche market right so have you ever considered that or you're just a hundred percent jujitsu
6: so at at the start I I was considering all options you know like getting fitness classes going getting yoga classes going and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but I really don't want to split the time that people have if that makes sense so if people are coming in to train jiu-jitsu like i wouldn't want them to be like well i'll go in and do fitness once and then i'll go do jiu-jitsu once i'd rather than be pure doing jiu-jitsu and do fitness in their own time mm-hmm. if that makes me sense i'm more of a competitive gym over a hobbyist gym like i say we do have a hobbyist but the average people are coming in four to five times a week like they're, they're taking it quite seriously right so i i, I probably wouldn't go down that route ne- never say never you know but probably not from my front like potentially in the future, if like I have one, uh, one assistant instructor, if he was like, well, I want to start running the fitness class for competitions. I'm not, I wouldn't say no, but it's not something that I'm specifically going to focus on.
5: Right. Okay. And so how large are you looking to grow the membership itself? So you're at 48 now, you were at about 52 prior to COVID. So what's a comfortable membership number for you?
6: So this is, this is the complex bit. So about like I say, if I if I get to about fifty five, that that'd be great. That that that'd be perfect. I'd be making a, a, an okay amount of money. Mm-hmm. But anything over that, I'm probably going to have to move. And I I own the unit which I work out of, so I'm not paying any rate rates on that. So to move to a bigger place would be, it would it would obviously cost money, you know. But then I'd be able to get more students in. But then I'd probably have to work harder to get more students in. So in an ideal world, I'd probably get fifty five students and just stick there and cap it. That, that's mm-hmm. what i think to be honest like i i'm not too money oriented. like as long as i have enough money to be able to live comfortably go on holiday once a year you know and not really worry about the bills i, I don't mind because i i am the cheapest gym in swindon for jujitsu you know I, I i pride myself on that and it's obviously we offer in my opinion the best quality service as well but we are the cheapest because i can afford to be cheap because i own the building and stuff like that. if i was going to out go to a bigger place that might have to change and then you know so probably 55 is the ideal number.
5: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you're in a good position in owning the building because obviously that's going to keep your expenses down, right? The cost of overhead down. Um, So yeah, I mean, moving to a larger space would allow you to have more people, but at the same time, it's going to increase the amount of overhead and costs going out on a monthly basis as well. So, okay. Uh, so where are you directing most of your attention, most of your time and attention within the business right now? What's the main focus for you?
6: Getting my students good for competition. That mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Like I've, I've gone through different phases of where I've tried being more savvy on social media. I've done paid ads. I've done all that stuff. I've done leaflets. I've even done a bit of door knocking, but the main thing which i get where students come in is through word of mouth like the main thing is like someone brings a friend along they love it they bring a friend along so for me the quality of jiu is the important thing you know and having a fantastic atmosphere like if, if someone comes into the gym they have a really good time they connect with the other students and they feel that the level's good they're likely to stay so that that's really my priority is keeping a nice positive gym where people come in and the standard is high you
5: know Right. Yeah, absolutely. Super important. And on that uh subject, as far as retention goes, how is retention? How long are people typically sticking around once they do sign up for a membership?
6: Most people stay. Like I, I, I obviously excluding COVID, because that was a bit different. But like most people, if they if they come in and they I would say they do two months that they're gonna be with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. They the dropout, like people do drop out in the first month, but you can kind of feel it, if, if that makes sense. Like they come in, they do like one class and they might come in like once a week and then they kind of just fizzle out. But most people, if they come in and they sign up for, two, they come in and do two months, they're, they're, they're going to stay. Like you get things that get in the way like family and people move away, but I've got quite a high retention rate. It was actually, so this, this is not relevant to this question, but kind of is. It was quite a sad day for me yesterday. So one of my former students, this is the first time it's happened in nearly five years, has left my gym for a couple of months and he's joined one of the other gyms in Swindon and that had never happened before. Like I've had quite a lot of people come to my gym, but that was the first time yesterday. So that's good and bad because it hasn't happened but now it has, so.
5: Right. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's it's bound to happen somewhere along the line, right? For for one reason or another, but as long as you don't have a bunch of people leaving your facility and going elsewhere then
3: yeah, You're should, right. should be right. <laughs>
5: yeah yeah absolutely okay and so walk us through kind of the process of when somebody comes in on their first day what does that look like are they coming in to try a class or are they coming in for some type of consultation to see what it is that they're looking to do walk us through that process of somebody coming in on day one
6: so that, that's up to them really so like most people obviously email me ring me or like facebook message and I'll, I'll just give them a call back and i'll speak to them basically saying like what what do you want to do because our first class is always free but you're more than welcome to come in and watch a class and then have a free class after that it doesn't So very confident in the service that we give out so i think majority of people come in and they actually participate in the first class some of them don't do the sparring because they want to sell on the sidelines for that and watch it but I have had people that have come in before, spoke to me because they're a bit, like, nervous about it, and then they've sat on the sideline, watched one, and then joined the second one. But it, it is entirely up to, the, up to the person how they feel about it, you know, because ideally, I would like people to come in and feel it, because the, the thing about jujitsu is you don't really know what it is until you do it. So. Yeah. You know, I I want that to happen, but if someone feels comfortable sitting on the sidelines watching and then coming in again at a later date, that that's also fine. So it's, it's up to them and what they feel comfortable with, because it can be quite an intimidating thing joining up a fight gym. You know, it's, right? It, it, it's a bit of a bit of an odd one. So
5: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of people are intimidated just in general to join a gym, right? And then this is kind of like a whole a whole other level. Um, so it sounds like that makes people feel. More comfortable and welcome into the gym. Sounds like you have a, a welcoming community, anyways, within the gym. So that's a big part of that as well.
6: I, I really try, and to be fair, a, a lot of that stems from Mike. Because when when I was, I've done a couple of trips out to the states. And I spent like three months in Santa Monica training and stuff like that. And I think you guys do it so much better on the the, the people side of things. You know, I, I found like the, it might be because I'm in sunny places when I go to America, but everyone's so much happier. You know, and it, it's it was really like quite refreshing. Like sometimes in the UK, like it in certain gyms I've been to, it's not not that friendly. It's kind of a bit I I don't know, too strict, too rigid. So I've kind of tried to copy the the American style of being friendly, making it more of a family sort of thing. Like we mm-hmm. go out for meals together and stuff like that. And it's it's less strict, it's less traditional martial arts, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so I do that definitely comes from the American side, I think. You guys are better yeah.
5: at that than <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't um, I wasn't aware of that so that's that's kind of cool. That's actually surprising to me. Um, not that I mean I feel like most gym owners that I talk to in the states do focus a lot on the community side of things and making sure that it's like a welcoming place and um, you know all of that kind of stuff. so but that's interesting um, All right, so now I know you you kind of talked about your goals, a little bit but what is the kind of big picture goal for you is this what you plan on doing until retirement or is this your retirement plan like what is what is the big picture goal for you for the gym
6: um, I'm, I'm not really sure so <laughs> I know that sounds like so I'm never gonna let 10 planets win the close you know mm-hmm. that, that, that I'm definitely not going to do that I, I love it but um it's, it's not my only job i'm I'm, I'm a politician as well so don't okay. that against me but um depending on where things go with that would depend on on what happens with the gym but but currently i, I teach jujitsu you know like I, I love being in the gym I love being on the mat am, am I going to say I want to teach 13 classes a day when I'm 50 probably not you know, <laughs> I probably it, it'd probably be a bit taxing on the body but yeah d- depending on what happens in life but i'm never going to let 10 planet jiu-jitsu in close because right it, it's something i've built up from scratch you know and i i love it when i when i get to see my students go out and compete like one of my guys james jones he's he's going to be an absolute star he's a blue belt now but he went into his first competition a couple of weeks ago well first blue belt competition and he tapped out both his opponents he absolutely smashed it and it's it's so great to see that because he joined the gym at like 19 years old and knew nothing you know and now he's going out and competing i I think he has all the potential to be on some of the big shows like polaris and grapple fest because he's he's good and he's committed assuming Mm -hmm. other things don't get in the way but
5: right yeah i'm I'm never
6: gonna let the gym go
5: yeah i love that and so how many hours a day right now are you typically in the gym
6: so three depending on privates three to four yeah
5: okay all right so that's Yeah, that's not too bad. And you have uh, do you have trainers that help you out as well?
6: Just one. I've got one assistant coach, but they cover probably two to three classes a week when I have meetings outside of it. But mostly it's me teaching.
5: Yeah, got it. Okay, awesome. Uh, So now one thing I was like to ask about with every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering doing their own thing or kind of going their own way, opening their own facility, what would that be? What's one of the most important things that you've learned throughout your time in owning a gym?
6: Wow. That's, that's quite a, quite a big question. So <laughs> I think not, not to be cliche, but the, the biggest one is believe in yourself because it it's, it is tough. Like, like I say, I absolutely love it, but it is tough. Like the first 18 months of running the gym, I had to supplement it. Being a balance of. So I was working seven days a week, working nightclubs, getting minimal sleep. And it was tough. It, it wasn't fun. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it was hard, but it's so worth it, you know. And like, yeah, I say, like, believe in yourself. And if something is hard, tr- just push through it because it, it really is worth it at the end. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that's probably the main one.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It's not always super enjoyable at the beginning. Right. Getting it started, getting it rolling, providing that foundation for the business essentially, but kind of once you get past that, it it does get better.
6: But if I could give it, can I give two? It's two all yeah right? absolutely just, go for it. But I, I think another thing is is for people when they're starting out, value your time. Like you'll get a lot of people that want your time for free. And mm-hmm. when you're at the start you feel like oh, I want to get people in the gym. I want to like make it look busy. I want to do this. Don't don't get into the habit of not valuing your time because your time is important. So it, it's, it's really like value your time because you're, you're paying out a service, you know, and you, sh- you should be paid for that, in my opinion.
5: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, a really, really good point there um, because you're right. In the beginning, a lot of people do want to give things away for free or just kind of have people come in and check things out. And they're not charging for things a lot in the beginning. And it's really hard to go from not charging to then. Charging, um, So that can be really challenging. So that's a really, really good point there. And, you know, keeping that in mind when pricing as well, you know, and making sure that you understand and convey the value that you're providing for people, you know, because a lot of times I think gym owners really have a hard time placing a price point on the value that they're providing to their clients and customers so also important
6: to keep that in mind there as well yeah yeah definitely because it's not as it's not as simple like a lot of people are you're doing jujitsu yeah like like that's 60 pounds like so i have two packages i do 40 pound a month which is two a week or 60 for unlimited and they're like is a lot and i'm like well you can attend 13 classes
0: Mm -hmm.
6: you know i've been training for 15 nearly 16 years i've competed all around the world like it's there's a lot of skill and a lot of time which goes into doing that like right i think it's it's not just your typical thing it's it takes a lot so yeah pe- people should value that and mo- most do you know And i think right. once most people experience it they 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 kind of they understand
5: right yeah absolutely definitely agree all right so as we start to wrap up here where can the listeners find you on social media
6: so I've got Facebook, which is 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Swindon, and I've got Instagram, which is also 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Swindon. My Instagram, for me personally, which I post most things on, is Willstone Stone Tempe. So, yeah, follow any of that. I don't do Twitter. It's not, not my jam.
5: Yeah. <laughs> me either. I've never had Twitter. So <laughs> I get that. Awesome. All right. So Will from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Swindon in Swindon United Kingdom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having you on the show.
6: Cheers. Thank you. Take care.
5: Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com.